Hey, hey, welcome to Web3 Weekly with your host, Blockstar Technology. Let's go. All right. Welcome, everyone. Um, so today is our episode 24, and we picked um, a great subject today to talk about, which is the token mapping that was published by the, the Treasury here in Australia. And um, so what we have done is we have invited uh, awesome two guests uh, today to, uh, so it mainly to bring value to the conversation that can really help with um, bringing value to the industry, what's happening with the whole blockchain, the cryptocurrency exchanges, and there's a lot of uh, talks happening at the moment. So we said, okay, look, who can we bring into this? And we found, you know, uh, the two best people that we know of. And um, let's start with uh, Liam. Um, Liam, uh, please, uh, do you mind just giving a little bit about your background and introduce yourself, please? Sure. Thanks, Kazi. Um, really delighted to be here. I am a um, financial services regulatory uh, lawyer, and um, so I really come from that Trad5 financial services perspective and um, applying that um, that knowledge and that concepts to uh, the, the really exciting world of Web3. Um, so my team focuses a lot on um, tokenization, how that fits in with the current regulatory environment in Australia and abroad. And we're really excited about the token mapping um, paper from that perspective, because it really gives you a good foundational underpinning of how to look at these things from, uh, I guess, the lens that we look at things. Awesome, thank you. Uh, Mark, I would pass the mic to you now, my friend. Thanks very much. Uh, great to be here. So, name is Mark, and I work for a group called Not Centralized. We're a venture studio that does Web3 investment banking, so capital raising, restructuring, stuff like that. We work on projects, tokenomics, and all that. And then we run the Australian DeFi Association as our way of. Uh, building the community, connecting the ecosystems where big believers in blockchain tech. And I guess the lens that I bring to this is more from the development um, side of things and just uh, an understanding of, you know, how how token mapping will affect those that are actually building in the space uh, here in Australia or thinking about it, you know, because it could be Web3 folks, but even Web2 folks that are trying to come in and wanting to understand, you know, is there going to be clarity around this space uh, going forward? So, yeah, I come with that lens. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, team. Um, this is like, this is really good. Thank you so much for your introduction. And just to give some um, brief summary before we really dive into the, into the individual like nitty gritty things, I just want to give a little bit of background um, to the general public because this is uh, what we are getting into is a new economy. And in this new economy, it's like a digital economy now. Before we thought, okay, we are going to digital, but now it's like the assets and the whole, you know, thing about Bitcoin. And this is going to impact all of us in one way or another, whether we like it or not. And and the Treasury published a, a consultation paper and given until 3rd of March to submit um, our take or people's or professionals uh, take on that and how we can improve what it what it is you know you know it, it would help them uh, with the regulation and everything like that so I, I don't want to say too much about it but you know um on that note 
uh, we'll dive in. All right, guys, thank you. So the wording. So what's the first thing is a token? All right, Craig, uh, what is a token? <laughs> it depends whether you're trying to differentiate between a token and a coin, yeah. but it's essentially a digital unit is what mm -hmm. I'll refer to it as. Yeah. It can have differing values depending on what it is and what its use case is, mm -hmm. but it's, a, it's effectively a, a digital unit. Of unit of something. something. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Alrighty. So uh, on that uh, note, um, what is a token system? Shall I pass that to you, uh, Mark? What yeah, is sure. a, um, yeah. Well, anything that's used to facilitate how tokens move uh, around. So basically, you know, the smart contracts that people write, and we'll get into what smart contracts are, you know, yes. basically code uh, that is designed. Uh, and if you get a bunch of these uh, smart contracts and you create some sort of app or protocol, um, but basically how that token moves uh, throughout a system to perform some sort of function, it's effectively that whole layer is seen as the token uh, system. Awesome. Thank you so much. And and you 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 just mentioned the word function because I know that we're going to dive a little bit deeper into this, what is this function is. So um, Liam, do you want to take on that, what that word means in the context of the um, of this paper, please? Uh, that's a very big question. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I think that the care with which you described what a token is, uh, both Mark and uh, over at Blockstars is, is commendable because there, I think the first thing um, that needs to be said about the paper is that it does talk about the variability of tokens. There is just such a huge range of different tokens from ones that function um, in certain ways on a Spark contract, which I'm sure Mark will get into, uh, to others that are simply utility tokens. Um, it's hard to say uh, in terms of what their function is because they all have different rights. Um, they all have different characteristics. So the thing I really like about the token uh, mapping exercise and what Treasury should be commended on is getting into the granular detail and understanding that these are all very different. Were we to um, treat a 14-year-old kid minting an NFT of a monkey um, the same as a high street bank, um, creating a stable coin, I, I think that we'd have some headaches and the token mapping paper gives us a foundation to say, hey, look, there's going to be different rights attached to these things and that's going to mean have different consequences in a financial services setting, you know, to start with, but the broader economy, which you mentioned as well. I mean, financial services and, you know, this is the last thing I'll sort of say on it, um, is associated with crypto, but it's just such a small part of the ecosystem. And, and that's what I really like about the tokenomics paper, uh, sorry, the token mapping paper. There's an implicit appreciation that this is the new economy. And while my world yeah, it gets a lot of uh, airplay at this point in the time, it, it really is just the thin edge of the wedge in my view. Awesome. Yes, yeah. So I just, um, before we dive too deep, can I get an opinion from both of you just overall, do you have positive feelings towards the token mapping consultation paper or where are you guys sitting with what's been put out so far by Treasury? 
I think it's positive that they're, they're consulting with uh, industry rather than uh, just going out and enforcing. And no doubt what one of the things, I don't know if you guys had seen this, but one of the things that was um, kind of glossed over was that Treasury actually put out a media release along with token mapping with the 70 pages plus however many pages in the appendices. One of the links in the appendices, for example, was going to a 500-page document. So there's a lot of homework that's been done here, right? Mm -hmm. Um, no doubt about that. But there was a media release, two-page media release by Treasury that basically said that they're looking to do more enforcement. They're going to beef up what ASIC has in terms of the capabilities, uh, resources to do enforcement because they want to protect consumers. There was a lot of protection talk. Um, so you couple that with token mapping. So it's like, it's great that, you know, there's this consulting part, but the people that were not doing the right things, and we'll get into that, um, you know, things need to be thought about very carefully. This is not the Wild West crypto that you saw in 2020 and 2021. I'm still very bullish on this because I do feel that there's many businesses and the ones that are going to be that next wave of mainstream that were just sitting on the sidelines because there was no clarity. They didn't know, does this fit existing laws or is there going to be new laws? And we'll talk about that. But I think that this is good. We're taking the right and positive steps. And they say in there as well, they don't want to restrict innovation. They don't want to stifle it. So I'm overall positive. Liam? I completely agree with you, Mark. I mean, our Treasury officials should be commended for really engaging with this emerging industry. They've done some heavy lifting here. And if nothing else, whether you agree with the, you know, certain of the positions they put forward in the paper or not, I don't think anyone would deny the fact that they've done a lot of work here to create a foundation for which we can have a discussion and, and regulation going forward. So I'm quite bullish as well. I think it's a, you know, a, a wonderful achievement and it was delivered much faster than um, I had anticipated. So uh, it creates a wonderful foundation for us to have discussions like this. Yeah. Hey, you both touched on how much work had gone into what the, the government has prepared and released here. Um, do you think that there have, they have given us adequate time to respond? I mean, nobody knocked this paper up and went through everything that's supporting it, you know, in the last four weeks. So do, do you think that the time that they've given enough people to respond mm. is, is enough? That's a good question. Mm. Uh, Lee, you want to take that one first? <laughs> uh, yes. Look, uh, having been involved in, in these types of consultations over a large number of years, I think this is pretty generous. This doesn't surprise me at all. Sometimes I've had two-week timeframes to respond to things. Um, this is, look, and this is why it is so important um, and, and underscoring what Mark said and what you've each said, that this is fundamental and this will set the tone for years to come. Everyone needs to read it. Everyone needs to make their opinion heard. Whether or not people agree with each other is beside the point. Um, we've got a month to do it. So, you know, everyone from, you know, DEXs to, you know, centralised exchanges to advisors to um, devs need to be heard on this. Now's the time. And on that, often, oftentimes when you have this, we had Caspers last year. So the, uh, the, we, we had something like this that, you know, previous government put in, Andrew Bragg, uh, and then that changed. And I think one of the main bits of feedback was that we need better definitions 
and we ended up with token mapping. So this is a good positive step. They do say that it's not like, okay, we'll do token mapping and then we don't know what's next. They say in there that the next step is going to be uh, custody and it's for the centralized as, uh, you know, crypto asset providers. So um, the DCEs, so the, well, the, the digital exchanges. So we know that that's coming mid-year. There'll be another consultation paper. And with each of these consultations, there is some form of roundtables that they have with different industry groups. And the relationships that we've been building up um, as a DeFi community and national community with people in different government departments. And that's a thing maybe the audience needs to know. When we say the government, it's not just one area. There's multiple areas and layers of the government and multiple departments within those groups. Um, but just from the talks that we've had, we know that they really want to engage with the community. And I'll be not surprised if there are roundtables that happen in the next few weeks. Um, so I think even if it is this short kind of time frame, we basically got two less than three weeks left. Um, no doubt there's going to be active uh, talks between government and the different groups, whether it's the exchanges, the legal firms, uh, consumer groups and builders, etc. I think there's going to be some really interesting things happening. And it's going to lead up to uh, the mid-year where we have another consultation paper that's going to affect centralized uh you know things that are going on in the market where the majority of people first come into crypto so i think they're being very logical and smart about this time wise i think it's it's enough because it's not like this is the first time they've done it i think people have gone through this liam it's no doubt your it's not your first radio <laughs> um our second so it's it's certainly going to be interesting i really Sorry. agree Sorry. with that i mean the and and you know, there's multiple layers of government looking at this. So one of the legislation that came out and it was quite niche was on whether Bitcoin was a foreign currency. Um, and going from the ground up, our submission was that, you know, who cares whether it's currency or not? You, you can figure out that for yourself, government, but we don't even think it's legally property. We think it's just data at this stage. And that's a very technical legal distinction based on a couple of hundred years worth of law. and. There is a raging debate in the legal community over that, and that's okay um, to have that debate. But the fact that people like myself think that it may be information, other lawyers very strongly think that it's property, means that we need certainty. So if it is property, and if our friends at the ATO can tax crypto uh, as, as, as you know they plan to do, they should legislate that. Let's build from the ground up. So I've been summoned to Canberra next week to explain myself to a whole bunch of senators, and I guess that shows their, you know, uh, you know, greens, red, blue, that shows the engagement from a very um, senior level of government with this across, you know, elected officials and uh, bureaucrats. So um, Mark and Liam, in terms of the approach, the UK, Hong Kong and America have taken. What are you seeing in terms of a targeted international approach? We know that um, America is coming from the direction of containment and wanting to separate it from financial products, but you know, we, they are calling for a more international you know, alignment in terms of how governments approach it. And we did see a lot of these papers released at the same time, going through the consultation uh, sorry, the token mapping exercise. When you look at a lot of the stuff they refer to, a lot of the documents were released around the same time frame. You can see that 
governments are working together. What do you think is going on in terms of an international approach? I didn't, you know, it's uh, it's Operation Choke Point 2.0. It's uh, this big conspiracy to take note. Um, I think that, <laughs> I, you know, one thing we did notice, regardless of the timing, I think what was interesting was, for example, the uh, the MICA regulations that are being spoken about in Europe. Uh, I think I don't know if it's been finally approved. It was supposed to be February 2023. Maybe, Liam, you, you can talk more about that. But I just noticed one of the things that was really clear is that, oh, MICA is focusing on centralized exchanges first. We're focusing on centralized exchanges first. Mike is saying things like DeFi is really hard um, and it's, you know, it doesn't quite fit if we're trying to map it to existing financial services legislation. Um, I can't remember what, you know, because they definitely took out NFTs for the MICA thing. They're like, we're just not even going to touch NFTs. Um, and you got to think that regulators are not this uh, as much as they may have seemed like, hey, made of buckets of money and stuff. They're still resourced. And when I say resourced, they're still maybe 10 people, 20 people, whatever it is. And that's why Treasury said we're going to up what ASIC has in terms of enforcement because it's a resourcing thing. And when you've only got a certain amount of resources, you can't deploy that everywhere. You can't look at everything. And so it just makes sense that here's something that looks and acts and quacks like a security. <laughs> it's easier for us to tackle something that, you know, we already know about. We'll look at DeFi kind of later on. That was one of the first things I noticed between say, us and token mapping and what Mike is doing in Europe. Um, Liam, did you, you know, what do you think about that? I completely agree with you. Look, and, and I think DeFi is quite a challenge from a regulatory perspective um, because our traditional financial services and like the US and the UK focuses on um, products and then you have issuers and distributors and so forth. It's really hard to fit that sort of uh, financial services framework, which we've developed over centuries on top of the DeFi, um, who's the issuer of the product, who's the distributor of the product, which developer am I going to get to write a product disclosure statement for me? Um, you know, these, these are things. Um, I think that the world at the current point in time, you know, is, is obviously inconsistent in their approach to it. But hearteningly for me, I see a bit of an arms race going on in terms of the rush to regulate and thereby support Web3 businesses. You can see that in the UK with Rishi Sunak's approach to it. You can see that in parts of the US. Uh, if you take a look at some of the New York jurisdictions and you can see us starting to get there as well. We're all taking different approaches um, and you know we're all paying attention to each other, but we're all trying to get to what is a sensible level of certainty whereby both consumers are protected, which we all want, and businesses can grow with security and stability, um, which we all want as well. And we get a bigger piece of that um, Web3 pie macroeconomically. So we've taken the token mapping exercise for the first in the world to do that. We've got Oxford University and others saying, gee whiz, look at what the Aussies are doing. This is pretty cool. Yeah. It's not a bad start. I think um, what's interesting as well is that there's also um, what do you call it? Like when, when I first got into this space coming from traditional finance, capital markets, et cetera, a lot of stuff kind of was, you know, you, you learn about on the fly whilst the plane is flying, you're building it and stuff. But one of the, I remember very early on people were saying that DeFi will never get regulated because DeFi, uh, how are you going to, because it's so global, 
a to, to Liam's questions like where do you attribute like who is the owner issuer product disclosure statements where does that all kind of stuff sit but then because it's also global you're never going to get all these governments to agree with each other right that's such a one in a million whatever it is what's interesting is that two things DeFi, I would argue, and similar to the, what the guys at Bankless say on their podcast, DeFi is regulated. And what I mean by that is the DeFi, the real DeFi, the Aave, the Uniswap, the SushiSwap, that were purely run by code and not relying on people, processes, or procedures like FTX and Three Arrows Capital, which is very traditional kind of finance, because DeFi was run by code. It didn't fail. It did the things it was meant to do, even when loans went bad. Uh, trades went bad, it paid people out, right? It doesn't rely on courts and arbitration. But the second part is that we can use blockchain technology and we're building something, blockchain technology to have legal compliance wrapped into the token. So imagine that when the ICOs were coming about, so the um, the initial coin offerings in 2017, and even to this day, DAOs will promise people that you're going to get a certain vesting schedule of tokens, but it's a promise. And yet we've got this immutable contract, smart contract that you can build these things into. You can build compliance and laws into compliance. For example, if you're not allowed to sell that token to retail investors, well, let's actually put that into the smart contract. So if there's some KYC and you're not a wholesale investor, you just don't get that token. We've got the technology that can do even better than old school traditional finance. It's ironic, but I think this is the kind of stuff that's going to come out, whether from Australia and others, we are sitting on some really interesting tech. That is one of the most fantastic ideas. I mean, imagine something you have the tech which Mark and his friends can build into something. Apparently, one type of consumer can get access to it. Your target market determinations on designing and distribution, you can bake into the code. Your wholesale retail, bake into the code. Your IML CTF, you bake into the code. That is regulatory. Uh, that is regulatory. Evan? Yeah, I was going to say utopia. You know, you and <laughs> uh, you know are you know one and the same for ASIC and others. That's the possibility here. So that's why we've got to get this uh, done correctly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, awesome. There's some really awesome content, like, you know, the information um, that, you know, we spoke about here. There's so much to unpack just in that, you know, 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, there's so yeah. much. And I'm pretty sure we're going to you know keep it like really to this one hour and it would not yeah. solve everything. But let's get to the really the nitty gritty areas. So uh, one of the things that um, I'm going to talk about next is the multi-stage um, approach that you know these guys are you know using you know I think uh, they refer to one of the um, what do you call the the bank the international like the bank settlement um, paper there as well and they said about the uh, the banning or containing or regulation like those three categories like how would they categorize a function into one of those categories so I would like to um, you know ask a question from Maureen Yes. How would you see um, that being impacted? Whether it's a how how would it impact? Like whether it's negatively or positively? And then I'll go around the room. So. I think I think it comes down to really what they have um, control and how they view each product. So I think the categories that they I was looking at one of the references and it's the um, 
BIS bulletin, they seem to reference that quite a bit and their approach to that was whether they were going to either ban it, contain it or regulate it. And I think in terms of their control over a certain aspect, is that how they were willing to grow in which direction? And I think that um, that didn't sound very clear at all, but I think that US is taking a really strong containment approach and we read earlier today how they are planning to really separate um, the actual financial, traditional finances from it because they don't want crypto taking too much of the real economy, as they call it. <laughs> yeah, so that's what they that call. a really interesting concept. They continue to refer to it as the real economy. Like, what are your views on that? Either of you. <laughs> Let's go to uh, Liam first. In terms of the US containment of the uh, Web3 economy, um, my broad sense of that is that it is um, unlikely to be successful and that it is defensive. Um, you know, the US has so many ultra clever, ultra ambitious, ultra innovative people, they will find a way. Um, that is what the US is famous for and they're very good at it. And um, it is it is a little bit of a shame to see, you know, reactiveness um, when approached with this. It's, it's new. It is complex. It may be scary in some areas when you have, you know, word, you know, you know, crypto mixes and so forth and all of these other ideas. Certainly the FTX experience was a very painful one for consumers and for policymakers. So you see the US far more so than, the US, uh, than Australia at the current point in time, guided by consumer protection. It's understandable, um, but there always needs to be a push and pull between consumer protection and corporate growth. The US is probably our own one end of the spectrum after S, uh, SPF's um, actions, it will write. When that occurs, um, remains to be seen. That's, That's my sense. It's it's interesting that you you know the what you said there that um that, you know people find a way. It's almost like that Jurassic Park scene where they're like, oh no, the the dinosaurs are never going to get out of this containment area, but life finds a way, right? Because yeah. they're built on the backs of pioneers right like the renaissance that led to the mercantile age and people sailing out of europe and yes <laughs> conquesting other nations and whatnot but um it's that pioneering kind of uh this is what we're in right now the the space of crypto right now is going into that um go west type mentality and that's why they call it a bit of a wild west and the laws and the regulations and the sheriffs, I guess, are coming into town. But it is interesting that the US, you know, what was its core tenets of rebellion in a way, now it's like, hang on, now that we're in power, we, we want to kind of crush the rebellion, um, you know, Star Wars reference, as you may. But uh, <laughs> I see other, other countries, I think, uh, seeing that and saying that we've got this opportunity to take the mantle, Australia being one of them. And to your point, Liam, like Oxford University, other you know, Web3 publications globally are talking about what Australia is doing here. It's very interesting. We've got a great opportunity, which is why, yeah, it's four weeks, but 
given the massive opportunity, it is it is a great kind of well three weeks left really. So yes, <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, sorry. So I was just going to um, read that accurately. So from the BIS sixty six, and this is what a lot of the token mapping uh, was split into at a high level. There are three potential lines of action that they have decided to split things into pursuing, and it was essentially ban specific crypto activities for their ban category, isolate the crypto from trade fi and the real economy in terms of containment, which is the direction America wants to go into, or regulate the sector in a manner akin to trade fi in terms of their regulation. So it was really interesting to see that they would split it up into three separate such simplistic categories as though everything can be defined so um, easily. And I think you might have commented on the example that they gave with the um, the POAP and the oh, selling, the, the, the selling, the yeah. yeah. Which is almost essentially going back to the old barter system. Yeah. So I'm sure you two guys on, on, on the call here are familiar with the POAP example they gave, but for anybody else that's listening, you know, like somebody can get a POAP by, you know, going to some expo convention, yep. whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of years later, a competitor starts up and offers anybody that has that POAP mm-hmm. from their competitor a discount, like a $1,000 discount it was, to go to their expo, yep. Yep. at which point, you know, Bob can sell that to Fred for $500. Yes. And therefore, it's not the POAP that you look at, but it's the use of the POAP, which gets back to, you know, the function of the token and what's being done with it. Mm. Um that's almost akin to, you know, the old barter system where if, you know, Bob puts out Fred's bin, then Fred mows Bob's lawn. You know, I I don't think they should have any reach over that either. Do you know what I mean? So so I I, I get that at at what point though, I guess is my question, um, sure, okay, I get that in the example they gave with the POAP, there's there's an actual financial transaction going Mm -hmm. on, but what if that POAP gave me access to mentorship from somebody for X amount of hours. Are they mm-hmm. going to go and put a value on every one of those to work out its, you know, the I don't even know how to track that. Yeah. No, well, that policing and enforcement is a whole nother matter. Yeah. And do you think that was an approach from a taxation point of view to, to be able to tax those, the value on those things? It's entirely possible. I also think mm. that the US, and this is just my opinion entirely, mm-hmm. that the US is approach to the containment and trying to separate it from traditional finance, as I would call yeah. it, not real finance, um, will have a lot to do with who it is that they're receiving their funding from and how much it'll impact their businesses. And, yeah. and you know, it, it'll all come down to lobbying at this stage, but I'm sure that it will change. As the guy said, it'll find a way. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to, and, and, and we can't forget that and coming back to the earlier point, the Web3 economy is going to take over in, in spurts and slow periods at different speeds around the globe and in different areas. One of the things together with those who are building the Web3 community and those who are advising the Web3 community um, that the regulators to various extents are conscious of and um, one of the things we'll need to approach carefully is just the potential for what this means in terms of our uh, how we conduct ourselves as a society. So Mark mentioned before the really exciting idea to me of baking in 
um, regulatory compliance in, into the code protocols itself, which is a fantastic idea. When it comes to POAPs and things like central bank digital currencies, you get into very interesting ethical territory whereby you can also program those particular tokens for social objectives. Should um, we be going to a central bank digital currency in the years to come, and for example, the government decide to give me um, $10,000 in you know, some sort of uh, central bank digital currency, um, but say to me, dear Liam, you can only spend this within uh, the state of Queensland, and if you try and spend it within New South Wales, Victoria, or anywhere else, it will evaporate. Um, that is uh, obviously there is a range of ethical um, and societal considerations there, and that's a really basic capital control example. We all know countries around the world that have pretty stringent capital controls, so. <laughs> My sense of POAPs is, yes, they have the potential for great good, there, but there needs to be, you know, the frameworks around them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you could almost combine those two. I mean, taking your evaporation comment aside, um, if you That's were only allowed to interact using that token to something that did have the requirements baked in, as Mark was mentioning, then that would automatically help with consumer protections anyway. Yeah. But there is always the risk of overreach and overregulation. Oh yeah, I mean, look, I am the new uh, policy maker, I'm the new health minister for Australia. And you know, I have some influence in terms of uh, welfare payments. And those welfare payments are gonna come out in the form of central bank digital currencies. But if anyone spends those welfare payments on booze and ciggies, it will not work. Um, they may spend it only on kale, spinach and brown rice um, because that will lead to a healthier Australia. I'm obviously exaggerating to be provocative, yeah. but yeah, I want to illustrate the very real considerations that those in the Web3 community and those in the policymaking and advisory community are going to have as this moves into the mature phase. As Mark said, this isn't 2020. There isn't crypto cowboys, you know, to the same extent as there was. This is serious people, serious next-gen economy. We need to go about it in a methodical way, as the token mapping paper is doing. Yeah. And yeah. so in terms of what are your views, it's looking like there's going to be a lot of licensing brought into place, um, AFS, uh, AFS licensing requirements and potentially stablecoin licensing. Mm. Is that what you took away from the token mapping exercise? We've reviewed other papers and they, mm. they seem to all want governance and you know licensing. I think it was backed one by one and they, it had to be possibly withdrawn at any time it was drawn and, and mm. banks don't even have that regulation. Yeah, I Do mean like, you know, Charlie got a good point there. I think, um, with uh, mentioned like you know like what you said like oh if you go to the bank and yeah. they, you can't really get your money out yeah well if we all went to the bank yeah would they'd run out of actual physical mm. cash it, i believe about 90 percent of it is um backed by a digital mm. um, database where yeah. we've come into fractionalized banking over the years where the banks only need to hold about 10 percent right yeah yeah but yeah, yeah i've seen the same thing but Coming from a government's perspective, I do understand if all this money is getting transferred, it affects a whole economic imbalance of a third party 
currency for GDP and a lot of other economic mm. things. You're actually, money's getting siphoned out, but nothing's coming get back, fed in. back in. And that's what I've seen them sort of worrying about on the stable coins and especially seeing Luna, the algorithmic stable coin crash. And I feel most of this has come from, as we spoke at the start, um, they're coming for centralized exchanges. What have we seen over the last year or two? Yep. Centralized FTX, Celsius, BlockFi all lose a lot of consumers' funds. Yes. And then um, stable coins pose a risk to economies themselves. Mm. And um, also, how do we trust them? There's been, for, for many years, there's been um, certain things going on about like uh, USDT, Tether, yeah. over it's backed one to one. And um, always wonder if you're backed one to one, how are you operating a business on the, on that scale? Mm, and <laughs> I understand if they have a tax built into the smart contract where every transaction they may get one percent. Yeah. But um, yeah, if they're not doing that and they're saying they're backed one to one, yeah. And we've also seen BUSD come under That's scrutiny right, yeah. recently as and well. So, what do you guys think, Liam and Mark? Mark, you uh, kick off and, and I'll pick up. <laughs> oh, we can't hear you, Mark. There, there we go. I thought I pressed the button. Um, that I, was, I was just saying there's a lot to unpack there. So, I mean, if we, if we take it from the, the operational kind of standpoint, you know, one of the things that kind of keeps bubbling up here whenever you talk about regulation and, and like where we're heading, if we take one step back first, the purpose of this, if you were to explain it, you know, you, you run this through ChatGPT, you go explain token mapping to a five-year-old. It's like existing laws, new system, trying to figure out what parts of new system are part of existing law. Other stuff we figure out later. And because of that, I think that it's, um, it's, the, it makes logical sense when you see things like, okay, maybe they're just being protectionist about what they're doing in the US. And because they recognize that if this is going to be the new way that fintech is like, if you believe that this is a natural evolution of fintech, you're going to act a certain way here in Australia, because um, maybe we didn't have as much support for fintech, uh, you know, in, in the early 2000s to, to 2010s and stuff. And this is our chance to redo things. Uh, I think that there's going to be a lot of, uh, when the answers will come through, I think that there's going to be a lot of uh, people that will be supportive of having regulations over the, the actual crypto, the centralized crypto space. But when it comes to the decentralized stuff, that's going to be really interesting. I've seen some responses coming back so far because we're collaborating and, you know, bringing in what the community wants to put forth. Not everyone in the community wants to be docs, not everyone in the community wants to put forward an answer to everything. So they want to come to a group like ours to help them. But one thing that is really interesting that's just kind of singing along in the background is that this is almost like a Spotify at the moment. I think we're going to have like a Spotify type thing where DeFi or anything decentralized, you're either going to have regulated or you're going to have the Pirate Bay. The Pirate Bay and Spotify are still there. I mean, many people are surprised that the Pirate Bay is still around, but the choice of risk that people take to choose to VPN, for example, and use something that is effectively illegal or pay for a service like Spotify. Spotify didn't mean that we wrote new music legislation uh, and copyright laws for music. 
they fit it into existing and maybe made some slight tweaks. I feel like where history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. And they did that for a very good reason. I feel like that's kind of where we're heading to. So all of these things like this attack on BUSD, or if it's, you don't see it as an attack, it's like just uh, protecting the community or saying that we're doing this because of all the fraud. And when you look at chain analysis, frauds like this, right? All of these things um, are a lot of noise. And when you filter through that, the signal seems like it's that's where we're heading. We're going to have a regulated and unregulated DeFi. We're going to start off with centralized first. Sorry, maybe that's a bit of a kind of tangent, but that's kind of the feeling that I get from overall with this. Awesome. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that, um, you know, and, and, and to uh, in, in picking up on the rhyming um, pattern, I mean, you, you've got the traditional financial system right now, and then you have a lot of share trading. In, in fact, a great proportion of it done in dark pools on the dark web over in the US where you're moving securities around. You're moving other sort of assets around in, in the dark web. There will be blockchains, uh, there will be particular chains in the futures, ones that comply with regulations and ones that don't comply with regulations. And there will be, uh, I guess, user choice with user consequences in that regard, especially in the DeFi space. In the CFI space, that's a little bit easier from a regulatory point of view. Um, and they're crying out for certainty and regulation. To the extent, you know, looking in Australia with custody and with licensing, you know, a token is a bit of an avatar of, you know, a bundle of rights, you know, which, which can be traced back to financial products. If you're dealing around with derivatives, if you're dealing around with pooling assets, you know, and, and getting returned and so forth, and if it looks like a duck, cracks like a duck, you know, in terms of financial product, sure, regulate it like a financial product. But just make sure that you're really granular um, as to where you draw the line, which I think is what this token mapping paper aims to do and cut out all the utility tokens, cut out all of the, you know, payment tokens and so forth. We're seeing the UK do that in, you know, very granulated steps. And I think Australia um, is off to a really great start. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, please go ahead. Um, so I was just wondering, I, both of you are obviously going to submit, make submissions on the consultation paper. What sort of what are the main parts of feedback you intend to give back to the Treasury for this consultation paper? Uh, I think more go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just gonna say I kind of alluded to so we're we're actually doing um, two submissions, one from the community. Uh, the joys of, you know, wearing the community hat means that you don't get sleep, but that's okay because it's all worth it. I get energized by all of that. Um, you know, meetups and all this kind of stuff, you know, what you guys do at Blockstars really well. Uh, but we're going to do something from the community, which is a collaborative response from many different facets of the community. And then we're going to do something from Not Centralized, my venture studio group that, you know, builds stuff. And I alluded to before that, um, you know, we, we are building and we've raised some pre-seed money for this and we've got some connections in and we've got people that are wanting to use these like compliant tokens. So you know, a, a very simple high level is that um, we're going to be talking about how we can use blockchain to bring and foster compliance in the space because we're not trying to run away, right? I think if you have that kind of attitude, you're going to soon run out of countries to move to. Um, so <laughs> Good one. We, we need to embrace the fact that we can have a very nice, more like, 
Bitcoin came around because of the inefficiencies of the market in 2008 and the GFC, we should not forget that. And what people have been doing is trying to get short-term gains and wins and stuff. And so I think what we're really pushing is we'll comment on, you know, if we think that these definitions are okay or, or you know, what needs to be improved, we'll definitely comment on all of that. But we are providing examples of as well of how we see the future uh, kind of looking. So that's kind of like my outlook. And we're dividing that between the community collection of responses from OzDefi and then what Not Centralized uh, talks about, basically. Awesome. Yep. That's great. Um, so, guys, we're just coming to the last 10 minutes of this podcast. I'm so conscious of uh, everyone's time. Um, Should we yeah, know what yeah. Okay. Yeah. Liam. Liam. Yeah. I'm interested in hearing what Liam, Liam, what kind of feedback are you going to be providing? Uh, thank you. I'm going to stick to my knitting, um, which is as a financial services regulatory practitioner, and and my comments are really going to be uh, again with the benefit of mainly the CFIs around where I think I can add value in terms of definitional approaches, so that we capture. Uh, the aspects of Web3 that should be regulated because it is so closely analogous to, you know, the traditional financial um, uh, infrastructure. I'm going to make that link and I'm going to make it as tight as possible uh, as as the first one because I want regular, you know, I want sensible and proportionate regulation. We're also going to draw um, those broader distinctions in terms of custody and in terms of the requirements of traditional finance, um, which has worked there, which may work within a Web3 um, context, but push back on areas where we think that it has potentially strayed too far and is um, is not as tightly considered as it has been in traditional finance. So, so mine's a very granular, you know, narrow focus, whereas Mark and others have a broader um, focus and I, I think between all of the different papers and coming back, Treasury is going to have you know some great reading material. They can all cancel the Netflix uh, subscriptions. Awesome. So I guess I just I just want to touch base, guys, and ask the number the first question in the consultation paper, which is. What do you think the role of the government should be in the regulation of the crypto ecosystem? Um, we'll yeah. start with you, Liam. That's a big question. <laughs> I guess it depends I, I on what the conception of government is, and different, you know, uh, different nationalities have different conceptions of how their government should work. Um, in, in terms of the level of interaction the government of the day should have in their lives. My, and, and this will differ from citizen to citizen in Australia and certainly from country to country. Government, to my mind, needs to balance um, protection of citizens versus um, economic growth. And I think that the government here needs to achieve that aim um, to the minimum extent possible. We need government to create a fair competitive playing field. But mm. stop there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> what about you, Mark? Oh. Uh, you're, you're frozen there, Mark. I think the connection looks like it's lagging. 
Back, back about that. Um, it froze as I was trying to unmute it because, yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I, I like if, if I'm still if I'm still answering that first question, uh, that question from um, there about like government. Oh, are you guys yeah. hearing me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit yeah. of a delay, but it's all good. Oh, uh, look. So, so one thing I see the government as being, um, you've got if you're a parent, right? You could treat your kids like an engineer would where the problems that occur, you want to fine tune it and get into the detail and you want to steer and you want to control. Or you could be like a shepherd where, you know, you have nothing to do with how the sheep were created. You are just merely there to find the right pastures, the right grazing, the land, the, you know, you are there to merely guide, right? And I think... Um, and protect from wolves, right? So whatever those colloquial wolves are, I feel like the government is there to protect us uh, from that whilst also ensuring that whatever this sheep thing is, these technologies have the right pasture to grow. So I feel like they've got more of a shepherd's kind of mindset, or they should, rather than being engineering, where an engineer knows what he knows or she knows and we'll try to fit things into that paradigm. Whereas you don't know where we're going to go with this technology and how great it's going to be. So that's one. The second one is that being, um, you know, different governments and people and cultures have different viewpoints, which is why I think, I think it's going to be very hard to have global compliance. And another thing that, you know, I think blockchain can do is that you can have a token wrapper with compliance features for Australia. If it needs to go to the US, it gets burned here and wrapped in another token that has US compliance. And here we get to facilitate what we've already got in, you know, the traditional financial systems for cross-border trade with compliance and regulation built in. It's none of this. We need to have one overarching global government because we've got different cultures to Liam's point. And I, I think where we're going to be is that we'll have a mature system that is more about efficiencies, but it's just going to be finance. It's just going to be commerce. It's just going to be whatever industry is. It's not, um, you know, we, we always get uh, enamored by new technology, AI and all this stuff. These are tools. We will just continue with whatever that industry was about. So um, yeah, that's my two cents. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I think that's great. Like, have you guys got any uh, last thing you're going to discuss in the last five minutes? Oh, like, yes. like, yeah, go ahead. Yes. Okay. Go so, um, you know, they always say that regulation can risk stifling innovation. Do you think that there's any chance that the token mapping consultation, the regulation they want to bring in from it will risk stifling innovation? Uh, Liam? <laughs> um, there's always a risk that regulation will stifle innovation. I think the gains to be had but on the flip side, and to pick up one of Mark's earlier comments, I'm really bullish on the sector, and, and that's because of the regulation. I think that uh, overall regulation builds innovation because there are a whole lot of people looking from the sidelines. And so I really like what I'm seeing. Once it's a little bit more settled and safe, I'm going to jump in because my idea will be everyone else's idea here. So I actually think that 
once we get the regulation calibrated and right, that innovation will will follow. Yeah. Awesome. Same question to uh, Mark. Yeah, I think that it depends. You know, which is not a great answer. I should have been a lawyer because my answer is oftentimes contextual. It depends, but it really does. There is a non-zero yes. chance that we will stifle innovation. It's not zero. It is somewhere north of that. Mm -hmm. But I think just given the evidence, given the um, the people that we get to meet, whether at meetups or conventions that are from government that are wanting to be educated and learn, um, and there's, as we said before, different parts of the government, I think there is more force towards being uh, positive in terms of what we can do rather than trying to extinguish the flame um, that is blockchain tech. So I think uh, it's unlikely we will see. And, and look, put it this way, someone will go, oh, look, my, 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 I'm, I'm stifled. You know, the new laws stifle me because, well, what were you doing? Oh, was this, uh, you know, um, token where I take money from these guys and blah, 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 and I don't want it to be security. Well, I'm sorry, but you're not going to be in the majority there. So there's always going to be outliers, but I think mm. for the most part, it's not going to be stifling. My guess, I'll put my house on that. Okay. <laughs> um, I have one more question. In terms of the um, proposal to introduce licensing, do you think that that will raise the barrier of entry if they have to, you know, introduce expensive licensing or you know, regulation around financial licensing in this sector. Like, do you mean for uh, crypto that, exchanges just, or the? Uh, just they mentioned licensing in a yeah. number of things with stable coins, exchanges, licensing mm. for any tokens that look like, like they're dealing you know, with yeah. financial investments, assets, anything like that. The requirement for licensing. I, I think we spoke about it before in I, terms of like mining and stuff, how when they introduced licensing, they really you know um increase the barrier to actually enter for the people that were mm. yeah, i guess in my opinion it's do we need licensing or do we need proof of proof of reserves there yeah. and proper auditing um but what do, what do you think mark um i i reckon that it's going to be interesting that in one hand like when we look at the world, we look at it through our own lens. People back in 2000s could not have imagined that we would be talking on smartphones and doing all sorts of things. And this is a supercomputer in your pocket. We could not have imagined that even with the Blackberries that we all loved back in the day. But um, we are working in a space where tech, uh, it'll seem like if there's licensing burdens like that, that, oh my God, it costs a million dollars to have that kind of license. How am I going to do that? But We've got blockchain tech, which when you look at the core tenants of it, it's got automation because of smart contracts. It's got transparency, easier value transfer, security. And those core tenants build up into something that is there to reduce barriers. So even if we have these higher levels to you know, bring about consumer protection and to bring some professionalism to the space, we've got the technology that can make that easier to gain access to if you're legitimately trying to do the right thing. So whilst we'll have some cool on the one side, we'll be able to push others up because of blockchain tech. I think that's where I see it heading. Um, and I hope that builders take that into account when they, you know, go out there and uh, work forward. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Liam, your take on this? I certainly think it will create a barrier to entry, but that's probably yeah. uh, in the areas. 
All right. Short and sweet. <laughs> yeah. And that's how. <laughs> and we hit the one hour mark. Yeah. All right. So perfect. we are just yeah we hit the one hour mark, and um, I just want to say thank you to everyone uh, taking you know uh, precious time uh, from your day to add value to the Web three blockchain community, and I think we are in like you know in this early uh, very early stages of uh, coming up with new things, and uh, look. Whatever we and what I heard was whatever we come through, it might it's sort of you know something that fit all. There will be outliers and some some will lose out, some will gain, and with any any anything, right? Mm-hmm. With everything, there's no nothing that was introduced like every, everyone won, you yeah. know, even with the money. I mean, like we had this money for hundreds of years, yeah. exactly, all right? The people, all the time, all the time. So, yeah. and there'll be a lot more discussions around this subject. And I just want to say thank you again to uh, Mark and Liam. Uh, thank you so much for your time, guys, and we'll definitely catch up again uh, in the future. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, and, guys. Um, thank you to Bye everyone else who joined us. You know, uh, through Twitter, Insta, YouTube, Twitch, and LinkedIn. Yeah. 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 On that yeah. note, guys, thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. Thanks. See you, thank you guys. See you guys. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe.